This hour is brought to you by Cars for Kids. Call 1-877-CARS-WITH-A-K-THE numeral 4 KIDS. The Bernstein and Holmes Show. Middays 10 a.m. till 2 on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes. This is the first time I really specifically was thinking this as it was going on. During the second half of the game in Indiana, when everything that the box score bore out after the fact about stagnation and ball watching, they weren't making the right basketball play. And I always talk about trading twos for threes. Mm -hmm. You can't do that. You're going to lose. It's a bad economical setup. (laughs) It's bad bad math. It's bad math. But we saw it in real time. Here's DeMar against two guys and occasionally against three guys. Contested 18-footer, hand in his face, around it in. What a shot by DeRozan. Three-point field goal, Benedict Matherin. I mean, that's... (laughs) (laughs) TJ McConnell. Right, you saw it. You saw it happening. So my question is, why not call a timeout and say, Damar, we don't want to do that right now. Bernstein and Holmes, your midday destination for Chicago sports talk. We got some good news. The White Sox have picked up the multi-year option for Jason Benetti, who is entering his eighth season as a member of the Sox broadcast team. Oh, he's more than just a friend. On Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We did a good job of staying on key with that one. Yeah, but it's got to be slightly off. Right, like you've got to be doing the biz That's what I was trying to do. I wasn't trying to get it exactly right because he's he's just atonal enough to be biz. That video is so great. Remember when Jason Goff ran into him in like the the frozen food section of the Jewel in the South Loop? No. Yes. I didn't know that was a story. Yeah, he told the story. He was looking around, and some guy was like buying popsicles, and he looks like, "Is that?" Like, it is, and it was Bismarcky. Just added to the list of score people running into rappers in weird places, like me and Hood running into Suge Knight at the airport, and me and Ostrowski. Running into Buster Rhymes in line at the Burger King at the MGM. Now that should really be at least one day, like April first. The Marquee Network should be only Biz Marquee all day, twenty four hours of nothing at the Marquee Network. That would be dope. They yep. they should actually think about doing that. Yep. They should just play that video over and over again. Yep, and just wait to see. Just wait <laughs> to see how many emails they get. How many of them are negative? All of that stuff. But here's the thing, Dan. I want to talk about Marquis. I don't even want to talk about Biz, although we can talk about him later on. We asked for it yesterday. What did I say to you yesterday about the White Sox? I just wanted something. Anything. I wanted something positive so that I could celebrate the White Sox. And strangely enough, like, right after we got off the air. Yeah, it was weird, wasn't it? It was very strange. Wasn't that weird? Like, I get home and I get a text from you, and I'm like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> and then I look, and I'm like, he's back? I had some people reach out immediately after transition. I noticed my my phone was, was, was buzzing around during transition. So we finished up. We recorded what we had to do. I went down and got in the car and had, had a couple phone calls, and I'm like, 
so this is that was all for naught. So okay, good, fine. Then what? Why? It was, the timing was very, very strange, very weird. But we have good news: news that we, as a show, and you, as a White Sox fan, can actually wrap your arms around leading into the weekend. Hold on to tight and celebrate. And yeah, and that news is Jason Benetti. And Steve Stone are going to be back in the broadcast booth for you this spring and summer. Woo! Walked it right up to the post. Laid out. All right, we can watch games with our friends even if we're alone. I'll take any positivity. Wait. Anything to dance on a Friday when we find out that Jason Benetti and Steve Stone are going to be back. Mike Rankin, do we have anything other like celebratory music that we could use? Hey! There you go. Just listen. And we are the Happy Wanderers. We would like to thank Mrs. Velviachki for the cabbage rolls and the coffee. So enjoy the cabbage roll and maybe wash them down with some coffee. Man, we we just needed that. Like, the idea of losing Benetti and Stone. I, the I, music's yeah. that magic that will set your Happy day in the, the White Sox world. On the so happy fine. wanderers enjoying it's you White Sox broadcasting. And soon it will There's be Lutonian like Christmas. Any place or any time. We're gonna have a polka celebration. You bring your friends out. And the broadcasters, they are back We're in the booth. Oh, that just feels good. Because anytime that we've attached anything to the White Sox over the last few months, it's been it's either been sad or bad. Go White Sox. Yeah, well, you know, like we do the best that we can. So it, it, it deserves to be like we deserve some joy. Because basically that's what I was getting at. Hey! Wow, this is the work Rankin's doing today. That's right, let's get down on it. Which back up on the wall? Tell me. Oh, this feels great, y'all. Look at us being happy White Sox fans. Is there anything left in the vault? That's it? I mean, I can find more. <laughs> hey, don't don't challenge him. There'll be Klezmer up in here before you know it. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mike Rankin. There, that's how you start a show. And that keeps <sighs> us from thinking about the bull. 
Yeah, we're gonna get to the Bulls, but but let's just, let's they just suck a big one, man. Let's <laughs> but let's let's talk, let's try to talk about this thing seriously because it right. was it was a little weird. Like we were sitting here during the show yesterday, and the story comes out in the Sun Times about the negotiation with Benetti and Stone. We're like, man, this is terrible timing. <laughs> like this this couldn't be worse timing for something like this. And obviously, an announcement like this is something that you probably would have had if you had had a fan festival because it's something that is easily good that you can offer to your fans. It's red meat. That, that's what I always said. Usually, good broadcaster news you use as a shield for everything else. It's the one thing you have right. to be happy about. Right. And you had it, but you didn't do the, the festival. And then you're like, no, like I, I can't. I can't think about losing Jason Benetti and Steve Stone in my booth. Like I, I, as much as I don't want the White Sox to be bad, I also don't want, I don't want a simple old school baseball broadcast. Like I'm spoiled now as a consumer of White Sox baseball. I don't want your plug and play Midwestern nondescript accent guy calling White Sox baseball. Right. I don't want that. I I don't want the old school relationship between a play-by-play guy and the color analyst. Now that we've had a taste for something more than that, you can't go back. Right. You can't revert. Now now that you've given us all multi-layered subtext and a, a worldliness and and an an awareness of context with everything that's going on. There's no going back to hey, let's let's do baseball. Right. It's desperately what I didn't want to have happen. And knowing that Jason Benetti is going to be around for a little bit makes me feel better. It also makes me feel better from the standpoint of the story writes itself and has like from over the last eight years, the story is written itself. How this kid who grew up in, in your area, of, of your area of fans out there in Flossmoor loving your baseball team and his desire to be the play-by-play man for your baseball team. And then there's there's all of the other stuff that, that comes along with it. How Jason is an advocate for the, the lesser able how he is just a wonderful ambassador for for your team as a as a front man for your team he does an excellent job and he happens to work with the best analysts in the business so when games are going wrong we get to enjoy their relationship which is also a lot of fun i i can tell you this i i don't know about you dan but if it weren't for them, I would totally like pull the ejector cord on watching White Sox games, like most White Sox games last year. But I stuck around because I knew that I was going to get context, that I was going to understand the, why things were happening the way that they were. And if you take that away and you go to some kind of generic... 70s ballpark type broadcaster 
I'm not interested. Part of the reason that Jason Benetti is an excellent ambassador for the White Sox is because he is White Sox. He is Southside. But he also isn't going to sugarcoat things on, on behalf of somebody. There, there is, there's an understanding that he sees what we see and understands what we understand. He might not put it in the same terms that we can, but there's always that awareness. He's smarter than any of us. I would agree. Yeah, you know, if you look and I mean you can count on one hand the number of veteran baseball broadcasters that also have law degrees. It's what? It's Gary Thorne and it's Jason and maybe maybe some others. But the, but the way he processes information Chip Carey. <laughs> Wait, did Chip even graduate college? He went to Georgia, right? It doesn't mean he graduated. I know. I I think I, I think so. But he might be a lawyer. You don't know, Dan. Chip Carey might be a lawyer. Lawrence. If I pull up his Wikipedia and it says he's a lawyer, Lawrence. You owe me a glass of wine. Come on now. All right. Let's... He'll be calling Bears games soon enough on the radio, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, St. Louis Bears. Yeah, we got to get to Ooh, them at yeah, some point. Get to that. Crap. He he has a degree in journalism from the University of Georgia, mm-hmm. and that's it. Right. No law degree. I don't think so. All right. It works. But I am, I am pleased that, like you say, that, and I think Danny said it yesterday. Skip, uh, Skip Carey, <laughs> whose pappy was the legendary Harry and whose son is Skip, died in his sleep last night. Make that his son Chip. Danny said that? No. Some, somebody died in someone's sleep. Danny and some, didn't say that. So, oh, okay. Somebody right. was someone's father. George said and that. And someone died in someone's sleep who might have been Perry or Carey. It might have been Skip, it might have been Chip, it might have been Perry, it might have been Carrie. They're not sure who the legendary <laughs> pappy was, but someone's dead. Fight Club. R.I.P. Louis Anderson. Wait. It was no what Danny said yesterday was that nobody in the White Sox organization is as good at their job as Benetti is at his. And the fact that he's back doing it is awesome. Yes. So we at least wanted this morning. Because we know how bad things have been, that we found some White Sox joy, and now we have expressed it. Ah, <sighs> you're welcome. Now the Chicago Bulls, Dan. <laughs> Should we talk about them? Oh, we will. Yeah, let let's juxtapose a, a couple of coaches here because you heard what we put together. That, I just said that recently. Was it yesterday? The day before? They it happened right in front of us again. Dan Everything was texting that goes wrong. all of us while it was happening The last moment night. it started, I texted you and I said, it's effing happening again. And it did. Like, it played out. So call a timeout and say, DeMar, we are not going to have any this string of possessions where we watch you work your way into a contested two. And everybody else stands there. We're not going to do that. Coach them. Right. We got to get to the. That's something I do want to discuss, Dan, because there there's a there's a news item that happened earlier in the year that surprised us all. That I would have thought would have made all of this easier. So let's discuss that. We'll talk about the really awful loss that the Bulls had to Charlotte, and we will talk about their head coach Billy Donovan. It's Bernstein and Holmes on a Friday here on the Score. 
Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. The forward 44, Patrick Willis, and a guard wearing 12, Ayo Donsunmu. The head coach of the Bulls, <laughs> Billy Come Donovan. On. Seriously, Patrick Williams is from Charlotte, North Carolina, and the PA announcer butchered the kid's name? Come on. That's brutal, man. They had, what, retired his number at his high school? Like, Yeah, it was nice stuff. And, and then, what was it, his former principal or professors yelling at him to shoot it? I loved her. She's like, stop passing the ball. Shoot the damn thing. I'm like, I want her to sit next to me during games. Hell yeah. Patrick and, Willis. And for her to be at games to tell him to shoot. Yes. That's what I mean. Like, like and, and he actually I, so he so he can hear her. He started out playing fine. He started and he missed some threes, but he was taking good shots. It looked like he was he was playing aggressively and one nice little sort of a Jason Tatum spin move. And then it's like, oh, okay, not not my turn anymore. And at guard wearing twelve, Io Donsunmu. DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Jordan. You know what I love Some about DeAndre. this? Some DeAndre. I love that we already have. I feel like sometimes Mike thinks he needs permission to just go rogue. And let me just tell you something right now, Mike Rankin. You don't. I know that you're in your Friday bag. Stay in your Friday bag all Patrick week. Patrick Willis. <laughs> do what you got to do. We're never going to get tired of hearing it. The echo on DeAndre Ayton. I mean, come DeAndre on. DeAndre Jordan. And some DeAndre. <laughs> DeAndre somebody. DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> you know who's a DeAndre? You ever see Bubble Man on on the bridge by the Sheraton? Yeah, when, when I turn to head towards Lakeshore Drive, I see him there. DeAndre. He's a DeAndre. Yeah. All right. Yeah, but I, I didn't know, but I heard one of the tour guides on the boat architecture tour say, "Everybody, say hi to DeAndre." As they went under the bridge. Oh wow! And he was he was waving the, the bubble wand around. That's cool. Yeah. So now I now I know him. Although I gave him a hat that he never wears, and, and I and you I, don't know if he never wears it. He could be wearing it right now. Would you know? No, I wouldn't. But he doesn't wear it while he's doing his bubbles. So the branding, like, hey, it was a nice hat that I that somebody gave me, and I regifted it because it was cold, and he didn't have a hat. He probably wore it that day. I don't know. I don't think he likes me. Well, I mean, no one likes you. Dan, I know. I don't think he, maybe he doesn't share my taste in hats, or he just didn't. I don't know. I just I kind of he feel just like, doesn't just, you know one time wear it just to say maybe hey. But I think that he probably wore it immediately. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that you should worry about it. I think it was a good thing that you did. No good deed goes unpunished. Yeah, like watching the Bulls game oh, last night. No, that's that's. Can, can I ask yeah, you a question? Yes. Remember when? Back at the beginning of the season, it was kind of shadowy, and it was like, hey, did you guys hear about this extension that Billy Donovan got? And we were like, no. What do you mean Billy Donovan got an extension? And it was all during the Zach trying to be the man because he's a max player now. And then it was kind of quietly floated out there, yeah, the Bulls extended Billy Donovan. If 
if they extend you, if they are if they are saying to you, we are giving you the power of a lengthy contract worth millions of dollars, and we are willing to put it out into the public sphere so that everyone knows that you're not going anywhere, no matter what this guy says, why don't you wield that power? I'm I'm not saying become a tyrant. I don't I don't know. I'm just I'm just saying call a timeout and tell Demar it's not his turn. Why do you feel like you still have to walk on eggshells? And as I've said since the beginning of the season, I like Billy. I think Billy's smart. I think that he knows what he's seeing. And I think that he does his best to try and tell us without telling us what the problems are with the Bulls. I need him to be more direct. And and I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about, Dan. Last night, the Suns weren't very good. And Monty Williams said so. It's situational awareness. And like I told the guys, every possession has to be important to us. I didn't think it was important tonight across the board. I thought our bench came in with very little awareness of the game plan. We made a few subs. I made a few subs. And the energy went. Focus went. And then in that situation, it was not um, as important to us as it was to them to get the ball. Period. Okay. It's pretty pointed. And and there have been times, including some of the stuff that Billy said last night, where you feel like there's ownership being taken by the coach. Um, I clearly made a mistake. We we were not prepared. Our guys were not, didn't stick to the game plan. Now we've heard Billy kind of soft sell that at the end of games, mostly about Zach, where it's been like, that wasn't really what we were looking for. We were looking for a three-pointer, or we were looking for a backdoor cut for Alex Caruso, but Zach made the right play by calling a timeout because he didn't see the play that we had actually drawn up on the board. This was Billy talking about the Bulls and their effort in last night's game. We don't have a margin for error at all, and we've got to be competitively the group that just looks totally desperate. Like, we're, we just got to be desperate. And I don't have any other way to say it. We just we can't just line up and go out there and play and kind of just everything's going to work itself out. And we're going to wait for the fourth quarter and we're going to close the game out. That happened a lot last year. It's not happening this year. You know, we're going to have to be able to find different ways to win games. And we got to you know come together to try to be able to do that. Can I read an email that a friend of mine sent me? Sure. That is uh, it is your working Billy Donovan thesis in different words. Okay. Okay. I always like when someone can kind of add to my work and make it better. So I'm here for it. Well, this the, the email reads thusly. I'll stipulate they truly miss Lonzo Ball and that folks may be hyperventilating about their rank mediocrity without him and that Zach Levine's getting the max but is clearly not a max talent. But what about Billy Donovan? These post-game press conferences are curious. He's like a disembodied voice, an NBA Alexa, with dispassionate and seemingly acute recall of all that just played out over the previous several hours, including halftime strategic discussions, but detailing all as if he was just a guy, a ticket holder, sitting in decent, maybe even courtside seats, with no sense of obligation and self-criticism, just having viewed the passing parade. The juxtaposition last night of the Bulls playing away at a pretty awful team with the Knicks absent their top rebounder away at a superior team. The Celtics was vivid. One team sort of packed it in late. 
while the other was seemingly forced by their maniacal coach to keep pushing, keep working their tails off, in the end, snatching an overtime victory. And again, there was the very perceptive Bulls coach, offering a post-game account that you would expect more of Sam Smith or Casey Johnson, who are paid to report on the game, than a guy taking in seven figures for coaching and inspiring the motley crew with Bulls uniforms on. It's weird. It is weird. And that's what I keep coming back to the the idea of the power dynamic of, hey, man, you're the dude. Unless, okay, you know how there's no details that have been reported really on the extension for Billy? Like, are we sure that he actually has an extension? Nobody said that that wasn't a valid report. Okay. I'm, I didn't hear I didn't hear any pushback. But did you hear any details? No. On it? No. Okay. I, I just feel like he's not acting like a coach who has good standing. And maybe it's part of his, per, his coaching personality that he is trying to make everything work, that he doesn't want to break any eggs. And I, and I understand, like, if that's your vibe, if that's how you get things to work, so be it. I'm, I'm not trying to knock it. It just seems like it's a cycle that we continue to see over and over again where Billy clearly knows what's wrong with the team and is very careful in the way that he describes what's wrong for the team. It might be learned helplessness. It, it might be an understanding that there's nothing he really can do about it just because, look, they don't shoot enough threes, period. They don't shoot enough threes. They shoot the least amount in the league. They're not playing modern basketball. Also, they lack athleticism. They don't have two-way guys. That's why so many of these guys you've never heard of in the in the end of the third and the start of the fourth quarter are jumping all over the place, grabbing offensive rebounds and dunking on them. Because they just don't they don't have enough guys like that. They're not athletic. So everything's got to be perfect defensively. Their rotations have to be perfect. They can't foul. How often is the other team in the bonus almost halfway through you, a period? It's five minutes left. And you're five like, minutes left. They're and, in the bonus. At, all the time. Because they're playing defense with their hands and not moving their feet. Because they're not quick enough. They're not getting back. And they're not long enough. And they're chasing, 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 and they end up fouling. There's just no easy points for them because they can't make enough threes. So the moment one thing starts to go, it all breaks down. For them to win, it's got to be perfect. And and they can't compromise any effort. Never. Any of it. They never can. And you saw some of that last night. Mason Plumley is out here going nine for nine and having a big – Stacy is right. His jump shot is as ugly. He switched hands. Remember? Yep. He used to shoot with the other hand. It was so bad – he switched hands. Went nine for nine from the field, including that jumper from the corner in last night's game. You lost a game where LaMelo Ball was shooting from everywhere and missing. Just two for 15. He had like five in and outs, too. I still love him. I get I it. I love his game. I get it. But in the game where you had that performance from their star, you lost. And you lost kind of big. It it doesn't make sense. Didn't they miss 18 straight threes at one point? Yes. Your opponent missed 18 consecutive threes and you lost. 
By a lot. And, and then, you know, LaMelo hit a big one. He hit a huge three, which, which speaks to the point that you were making yesterday. Keep shooting. It, 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 what'd you say? that The O wasn't the thing you were mad at. It was the 10. It was the 10 as far as the attempts that the Bulls made with their three-point shots. Scary Terry Rozier is out here getting 28. And you keep you keep losing players too. You have this run where Vooch feels great about himself. And the offense is clicking. You have this run where Patrick Willis. What you talking about? Where Patrick Williams is out here showing you some things where you go, okay, I can see it. I can see why they're so high and excited about this guy. And he even gave you one last night. Like, you're right. That 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 turnaround on the baseline was sweet. And I don't mind he went one of seven from three-point range, but I love the seven. There wasn't a single three-point shot that Patrick Williams took that I said no. Right. Every time, a good shot. Keep shooting. And I keep track of that. I keep track of Like, I will tell you, I'm not mad about him shooting one. He's a 42% three-point shooter. He should shoot seven every game or more. And so should DeMar. And Vooch is 0 for 6 in three-point range, but that's okay. But you got to and, – and DeMar doesn't guard anybody either. There, he's, he's been in foul trouble the last couple games because – He's been terrible defensively. Exactly. He's been terrible. And there was one sequence that was right in front of our eyes that told us everything. There was one sequence late in the game, top of the key. DeMar's got a three. He makes a catch, he turns, he's got an open three, and he puts it on the floor. And he ran himself off the three-point line, instead taking up a couple dribbles of slack into a contested two that he missed. Back the other way, they get a three. That's Bulls basketball. And you can't win like that. At, At least not anything significant. You might be able to win 40 games, but you're not going to win anything significant. And am I wrong, or are they now out of the play-in? Like, as as of this the morning, moment. they let Good. me check the standings, but I believe that's the case, that Fine. they lose the tiebreaker, and they are, they're sitting there as the 11th seed. And they had so, like, these are the types of games where you go, come on, y'all. Yeah, they lose the tiebreaker to the Wizards, Dan. Right now, the Bulls are sitting at 12 games out of first and tied for 11th, and they lose the tiebreaker. In fact, they are closer to the bottom of the Eastern Conference than the top. Okay. Get Victor Wembanyama, then, then we're talking. Well, obviously, right? but it'll probably end up in Detroit. When we come back, let's hear from a bunch of people who had very strong thoughts last night. Stacey King, Bill Wennington, Will Purdue. There's a lot of big people with big things to say next on The Score. Patrick Willis. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. This isn't about a lack of leadership. This is a void of leadership. There is none. Yeah, you got, you, like, like if you have those true leaders in the locker room, they ain't going to let you lose a game like this. Rock him or sing. I loved that show last night. I loved the post game on on NBC Sports Chicago. I always do, but Jason and Kendall and Will, I tweeted something to the effect of it felt like it, it felt like we were at a at a bar at a at a big city Marriott hotel, 
after close, and we had just slipped the bartender a couple twenties to, to let us hang around to say, "Hey, let, leave, open a couple bottles of Pinot and just leave them there." And you didn't do anything, and you know, this, if anything happens, we you were never here. Don't worry. One of those nights, and you said, "And because man, I I have been at some of those bars after some bad losses, and the coaches are just." And, you know, trying to kind of draw stuff up on napkins and trying yeah, to. Yeah, then you get past like, that. We had this and then we missed this. Yeah, and you get, but then you get past that. And you get a couple, you know, the next bottle in. It's like, we need to do more of this. Yeah, we need to. This, this guy is, can't do blank. Right. I, or, or like, I need to recruit a couple of these. I, I need to change some things. <laughs> yeah. We need to have some conversations about the kind of athletes we're getting here. <laughs> I, believe me. Where do you want to start with our panelists? Why don't we start with Billy? All right, let's let, let's do that. Let's 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 hear from Bill Winnington about some of the issues that the Bulls have had. You heard this on the score. Well, energy right now. I, I'm looking at the the way the Bulls finished the game, and especially in the, in the fourth fourth quarter, lack of energy. Hmm. And you've got to find that resilience to be able to bounce back. And, again, it's, it can be one player making a great play to inspire him. You saw the if you, you heard the game and heard Charlie talking about it, or if you're watching the game, when Mason made that 18-foot jump shot with his left hand in front of the bench, you saw their bench jump up and everyone just gets going. And yes. You need a play like that. And it could be any guy. It could be anyone on the team. A dunk. Derek Jones Jr. getting a dunk. Gets the guys lifted up the spears. Zach Levine driving the ball to the rim. Getting a dunk. Hitting a big three-point shot. DeMar hitting two or three shots in a row. Getting it going. There was none of that tonight. No one in the second half did anything inspiring for the Bulls to get any kind of momentum in this game. And someone's got to find it. It's there, that, and that's uh, honestly, Alyssa. That's what really makes it disappointing for me is because we've seen them do it, mm-hmm. and we've yeah. seen some some. And I, I, I don't throw this word around uh, freely, but some greatness in this team, but not not recently. And just when you you know the Bulls go on a three game winning streak, you think they've turned it around, and uh, you lose a game, win a game, and have two losses that are inexcusable. That's some. You hear real pain in his voice. Yes. And he's right. Like we have seen part of the problem is, is that the greatness that we've seen has felt very individual. We've seen DeMar make game winning shots and at times during last year's run carry this team. That's what Billy referred to again as lightning in a bottle. Again, and he was he was terrified of it. Like this isn't new with Billy. Like he said Billy, it after last year, he said it last year after Demar did it, where he's saying we can't. That's not sustainable. Same thing with Zach. Like we've seen the great individual performances for Zach. It's interesting to me though. Like the great individual performance that we've seen this year from Vooch. What do we say about it? It was team basketball that just happened. To make Vooch the beneficiary. That's what you're shooting for. Like, that's what it should look like. When the ball is moving side to side, in and out, and it's not sticking, everybody can benefit when everybody's paying attention and sacrificing for their teammates. Correct. And it's it's frustrating. So, obviously, Bill was upset. Stacy was upset the whole damn game. Like it was funny because, like, when you sent the text, it was almost like you sent the text to Stacy. 
Because Stacy, yeah, Stacy was feeling it. Like he was, he was. There's this warning, and you can. It's interesting because you can always tell with Stacy because his his normal setting as Bulls analyst. I want to give credit to Rankin here because I'm looking back in in the text thread here. Okay, eight oh three p.m. Don't say when I called someone a mofo. Eight oh three p.m. Rankin. Whole lot of watching Demar going on. Whole lot of watching Demar going on. <laughs> Come on over, baby. So one minute later, eight oh four. I texted. It's effing happening again. Two exclamation points. We saw it. We saw it incipiently occurring. Here we go. They're doing the thing again. Uh huh. The thing that's very easy to do and they fall into. Stacy felt it. Like it's almost like he was inside of our group chat and you could hear him get upset. And he was, he, he's usually just like go with the flow. Him and Adam are always having a good time, but you could hear Stacy get concerned and upset. Well, they did what you were calling for. They finally pushed the pace a little bit. Even without the numbers, they found some space in the interior. The younger players have to run. Yep. There's no reason why they can't get out of the transition and get more transition points. You know, Vooch, you know, those, DeMar, doesn't, DeMar doesn't want to run. But these younger guys, Io, Patrick Williams, yep. Kobe, and then also Derrick Jones Jr., Javante Green, those guys have got to, when they're in the game, they got to push the pace. Yep. I don't know. Again, I, I just I hope that this team is not saying, "Hey, when we get Lonzo Ball back, we're going to be a different team." I, I think that discussion is out of the window. Yeah, uh, you're not walking through that point. door anytime soon. Yep. I mean, you don't know when he's going to come back, if he's going to come back, and if that's what they're waiting on. Like we know, we get Lonzo back, we're a different team. It's going to take Lonzo. A wild 15, get, 20 get, games. I mean, to get think, into yeah. some kind of playing shape and playing condition, you can't worry about if you got Lonzo. And then when you go into Orlando on Saturday, you're going to play a team, another team that is not winning below 500, but they play hard every night. Now, he's the second person to bring up Lonzo Ball. Because Will talked about it on the post game. We'll hear from Will in a second. Where is it's a it coming lack of mental from? toughness. Period. But how do you solve that in a season? Or how do you even turn it around so much so no, no, no. that talent starts to You know play? how you solve that? You start making trades. Because I think the one thing I would like to see is somebody have the you-know-what to step up and say, well, when Lonzo comes back, well, we, we'll be all right. Because that person needs to be decked. Who's saying that? Like, I, I told you weeks ago, I swore it off, and I said I will not – have have that to be an automatic excuse or a subtext to Bulls talk. I'm he's he doesn't exist anymore as far as I'm concerned, and that may sound cold and inhumane, and I wish him the best. But when it comes to how I critique the Bulls, I am not talking about Lonzo Ball anymore. Okay, okay I, let's let's work through this a little bit because you know we we read. Julia Pold does a great job covering the Bulls for the Tribune. She hasn't really been writing stuff like that. Cowley. Hasn't really. Cowley's been kind of where you are. Like he's a cipher. Like he he doesn't exist. Phantom until he comes back. Right. Casey hasn't really been writing about this. So what it makes me wonder when you're talking about smart people who were in the league and are close to the team the way that Stacy and Will are, I'm just wondering, is that coming from inside the house? Are the calls coming from inside the house? 
are they hearing those guys talking about what their team can look like when Lonzo Ball comes back? I don't know the answer to it, but that was the first thing. Like hearing both Stacy and Will making that point last night, and it's a valid one, made me wonder if that's something that maybe they're hearing internally. Are they telling each other that? Well, there was also low key in what Stacy was saying. Did you hear him say DeMar doesn't want to run? Yes. Because, because. That's what you're talking about, too, when it comes to defense. Like, he brought it up, like seeing wanting to see Dalen Terry more. I, I, I don't think that th- that's that the answer, but I do think that there is a continuous problem with the Bulls not – Billy had actually said it like in his postgame last night that the, their margin is razor thin for wins. Like He understands that, and they're not doing those little things – that will allow for them to win. And one of those things is, if you're not going to shoot well, if you're going to trade twos for threes... That's why the margins razor thin. That I mean, to just say that and bake it in, well, the margins are... Well, why? Why is the margin razor thin? Because it's harder for them to get points. Every, what they have to do to score is grind their gears rather than just just run down the floor and shoot a three and get three. Other teams are doing that. Bad teams can do that. Well, we saw one of them last night. Was it Layla who tweeted out last night that at one point Charlotte was 11 games behind the Bulls? I think it was. 11 games behind the Bulls. And now look. Like, that's bad. Like, it's... That's really, really bad. That we're talking about this. Like... This team is bad, and now LaMelo is back, and he was terrible last night, and you can't get a win against a team that you're supposedly better than. How many How many of these losses? Cowley did a whole thing after the Pacers game of the five worst losses that the Bulls have had already this season, and now you can add this one to the list. Where you got you've got a a team that is so far behind you in the standings. They've had three in the last two weeks. Talking about the Wizards loss, the Atlanta loss, and this one, and the Houston loss. I mean, yeah. And then Saturday, the Magic. And props to Adam Amin for pointing this out. Wendell Carter Jr. is always on a mission to punch the Bulls right in the face every time the Bulls play Orlando. It, it seems Orlando's like, going to put it on them. It, it yeah. seems like Orlando is ex- young and hungry. We talk about young and hungry. They're exactly the type of team. That if all you got to do really is run, like, just run. You're going to beat the Bulls to rebounds. They they beat him without Boncaro. They sure did. That was the that was the Zach Benching game. Really interesting piece. I meant to send it to you. There's a really interesting piece in the Athletic up about Bancaro and and his representation um, and what he chose because it's it's really good. Like I I'll send it to you. I think that you'll you'll enjoy like hearing about how he was convinced to not go with like a big firm and he ends up signing with Mike Miller. Mm. It's I'll send it to you. It's sort a really like, well done piece. Like Chris Zorich signing with Kevin Warren. Yeah, how about that? Zorich is on the uh he's on the committee, right? The Chicago State Committee. Yeah, why aren't you? I You'd be perfect for it. I know. I 
thought about it because of my parents' ties to Chicago State and how much I really want that university to win. I just felt like it would compromise me. And I got some other stuff that I got going on, too. I'm working on a couple of projects that I can't say yet. So I didn't have the time for it. But uh, it, I'm the list includes Otis Wilson, Tom Thayer. Uh, I don't see his name on the list, though. I thought, um, maybe, I thought maybe, maybe he was on the prelim list like I was. But it is interesting that Chicago State would, would say, hey, maybe we could create a football program. And someone was like, well, where are they going to play? I mean, that's pretty easy. <laughs> play right here. They're, you're going to right here on the lakefront. Nice and easy. You don't have to build anything. They're going to need a tenant. They are going to need a tenant soon. And by the, but they think they can get it up and running. I've seen projections of like 2025, 2026, and I'm like, eh, that's aggressive. That's aggressive to build an FCS program, but I know that there are a lot of smart people that are involved in that thing, and I'm I'm I always root for Chicago State. You know, my parents graduated from there when it was Chicago's Teachers College. My dad taught there for forever, um, and so I I for the South Side, like we joke, like it's funny because people there are people who think that Chicago State is like an H. HBCU because you know because it I mean if you look at you know it's oh Chicago State University it's not but I'm I'm hoping that this thing works and that people like yeah I'd love to have a football program a D1 even though it's FCS program in town and they throw money at it and support it and see what happens that's really interesting because you know how they 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 talk about the hidden ivies or the baby ivies. They yeah. talk about all that, that whole group of like, you know, Middlebury and Williams and Amherst and Wesley and some of the Patriot League schools and all that. If you, if you had a hidden HBCU, it would be Chicago State. It would State. be one, right? It, it, this, yeah. It's exactly what it would be. It would be like, oh, of course. Like, I remember being in college. Like, if you were, if you were play, at DePaul, there are no black fraternities or sororities on the yard, technically. So if you were going to pledge, like I did, I didn't finish, but I pledged. If you were going to pledge, you had to pledge citywide chapter of of one of the Greek organizations and Cap Alpha Psi. Theirs was at Chicago State, and I think my uh, my roommate Eric. Shout out to Eric Wright. Not Easy E. Another Eric Your roommate. <laughs> cool. He he pledged with the Q's up at Northwestern, but like Chicago State was a place where if you were if you were in the nineties, were you in a fraternity? I, I pledged one, but I dropped line. It's a whole story. Yep. At some point, I'll tell. Branded with about. a giant omega. No, on your, no. On your like arm. I was gonna be, I was gonna be a kappa, but it was during the time that the kappas were on a moratorium. I talked with my my godfather about it. I talked with my uncle about it, who were both kappas. They were like, no, and they told me just drop the line. But my my other roommate, who did finish, shout out to my roommate Richard. He finished his journey, and he's been a proud member of the fraternity since then. But in the nineties. The parties that you wanted to go to, if you were a, a black college student in Chicago, the parties that would be thrown in Chicago State were always awesome. And the the chaos party, Kappa, Alpha, Omega, Omega Sigma. That at sounds North, like fun. At chaos. Mm-hmm. At, at Northwestern, Dan. Some good nights had in Evanston and on the South Side in the 90s. So I'm... I'm rooting for Chicago State, man. I hope that they can pull this off. 
I hope that people get behind it. Um, and I was very flattered to even be mentioned as a possibility to be on this search committee. If you missed yesterday, we had a conversation with Mike Golick about Justin Fields and quarterbacking and the Bears. And I got to watch the taste of the, some of those Howard Eskin opinions out of, out of my uh, system here because I was listening to him just be completely wrong about the Bears and Justin Fields on my drive in. So, I, it, I mean, really, it was just, it was just, a, it was th- that interview was just a festival of wrong. <laughs> Nothing anybody did wrong. It just he's this guy was talking like, what the, what the hell is this guy watching? What are you watching? What are you watching? At least we know what Golik was watching. So I liked the, what he had to say to us about Justin Fields. So we're going to revisit that next on the score.